Before we get going outside the shoot, we'd like to thank one of their sponsors, Coldstream Clear. Have you tried the new strawberry kiwi? Man, this stuff is good. Ditch the sugar with a fresh and flavorful vodka soda. Is iced tea your drink of choice? Well, Coldstream has both peach and lemon flavor. Taste the real tea difference. The only truly local hard iced tea made in the hub of Nova Scotia. Or maybe you're into mixing your own drinks. Coldstream has a huge selection of rum, vodka, liqueurs, and the must-try coffee rum cream. Visit them online at coldstreamclear.com and check out their amazing selections. Look for new products around all Atlantic provinces in the coming months, and they ship all across Canada. Again, that's coldstreamclear.com, Nova Scotia's original. Hey, well, another week has passed, and here we are again. Hope everybody had an amazing weekend. Welcome to episode 36 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. The OTC Player of the Week is back, and this week's winner comes to us from Bishop Moore High School out of Orlando, Florida, as Olivia Miller takes home the weekly honors. Olivia allowed only two runs over 14 innings of work, including a no-hitter, striking out 32 batters and walking three, as her Hornets get off to a 2-0 start on the season. Fantastic job, Olivia, and best of luck the rest of the season. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and talked with former McNeese State University standout, Athletes Unlimited star, and current Italian national team member, Erica Piancastelli. Erica had an amazing career at McNeese where she would combine for 19 school and conference records. She was a two-time NFCA All-American, four-time SLC player, player and hitter of the year, and four-time McNeese Female Athlete of the Year. From there, Erica has gone on to star for the Italian national team, as well as this past summer in the Athletes Unlimited League, where she finished fourth overall in the player standings. We're going to talk to Erica about getting her start in the game, the influence that her mother and father played in her development, her storied four-year career at McNeese, qualifying for the Olympics in Tokyo with the Italian national team, and of course this past summer from her time in the AU League. Erica was so fun to chat with and is one of the most humble and genuinely all-around great people in this game that I've had the chance to talk to. I'm sure you're all going to enjoy this episode. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. Here we go. Erica, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. How's things over in beautiful Italy today? Um, they're going, you know, with everything going on, it's um, kind of up and down, but we're just trying to take it day by day and um, see what we can do today and what we maybe can't do tomorrow. But um, it's going well so far. I'm just excited to be able to finally be back into training and um, be in the weight room. Right on. How, how long have you been over there now? In Italy? Yeah. I've been here since AU is when I came back. So October. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Italy's always been on my bucket list to visit, but uh, 
you know, it's the- beautiful. And right now without tourists, so it's, it's not as busy and you can kind of see everything without having to wait in line makes it even better. Oh, I imagine where's the, where's the best places to go over there? Um, well, I always recommend obviously the big major cities that everyone wants to see. So Rome, Venice, Florence, Milan, all that. But, um, right now I'm in Rome and I've been able to see kind of outside Rome, all the like little cities that um, maybe tourists don't get to go to. And I think those are always the best spots because you get the real Italian culture, the real Italian people um, and the most amazing food. Right on. Yeah. That's the, that's the one, one big thing I want to get over there for is the, is the food because oh, yes, er- everything definitely. looks so good. <laughs> so, uh, so good. you guys, uh, how's the training going for the, for the Olympics in Tokyo? I see they had to cancel your training camp for next week, but uh, you know, how, how's things going on that front? Yeah. So we started back up in January. We had our first training camp as a team and it was 10 days and that one went really well. It was nice to be able to be back with the team. Um, but we were supposed to have another shorter, shorter training camp this month, but unfortunately it got canceled because the city that we're supposed to be going to is going to become a red zone, Uh. um, with COVID. So just to keep us safer, um, we're just going to wait till our next training camp, which is mid March. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's coming right up to, um, and it's, I mean, it's going better than I ever would have imagined it to with everything going on. Right. Um, I wish there could be more that we could do, but um, just grateful to be able to still be able to train as a team and be able to get on the field. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest thing there. Um, so with every guest that we have on here, we like to uh, ask them when and where they get their start in the game. With the Italian team? No, no, just overall, like when you started actually playing ball. Oh, okay. Um, so I started at the age of seven is when I officially started playing in Carlsbad, California, but, um, my mom played on the Italian Olympic team and my dad's a baseball player. So I've been on the softball field since I was born. Um, I've kind of always been surrounded by this sport and I've been, been able to hear my parents side of it. And I've been able to kind of see my mom's um, whole story behind it and her success. And it's always driven me to want to follow her footsteps. And, um, at the age of seven, they were my coaches actually. So they kind of are the ones that got it started. Um, and I started with rec ball, went into travel ball at the age of 12, played in high school and then, um, had my career at McNeese. Right on, right on. So yeah, you, you mentioned your mom there in the, she was in the Sydney games, was she not in 2000? Yes, correct. Yeah, she must have been a pretty remarkable influence on you growing up. She definitely was. She's um, always been someone I look up to. Um, and when softball wasn't in the Olympics anymore, she was always someone I looked up to as a softball player. I always wanted to um, get to her level and be able to play at the highest level. And since Olympics wasn't the highest level anymore, um, my main goal was to just play on the national team and represent my country. Um, the moment I was able to do that and then they were able to put softball back into the Olympics is when I was like, okay, I actually have a chance to be able to have the same experience my mom did um, and to make it my own experience. And so I'm really excited to be able to do this and then have her um, as my number one support, my number one fan on the side and, and be able to help me with this training and and be able to guide me through what to be expected and, and how 
um, I need to approach this journey I'm going through. Yeah, that's a lot of people don't have the you know that benefit to actually have mm-hmm. have their mother that that played <clears throat> softball in the Olympics. So I mean, that's that's huge for you to fall back on. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm definitely lucky. I'm really grateful for it. Um, try not to. Um, try not to overlook it because, you know, it's always my mom and it's hard sometimes to see things the same with your parents and eye to eye. Right. Um, (laughs) but I also do have to remember that she did go through the exact same thing and, um, she knows, um, what I'm going through. She knows how hard it is to train and how hard it is to maybe do it on your own in the off season. So I'm definitely lucky to be able to have her to push me in and to help motivate me. Right on. Now you, uh, you mentioned about attending high school in Carlsbad and where you won two league championships. You also played travel ball with the San Diego rebels. How were those years in helping you develop as a player? Those years for me, um, were probably like, those are probably my fun years where I didn't really have pressure and I didn't really have, um, I just played like during that time, I just played because I loved the game. And, um, obviously I, right now I love the game even more and that's why I'm playing. But the crazy thing about me is I was never one who dreamt about going to college. I was never one who had a dream school and, and started at the age of 10 looking at colleges. I was always someone that kind of just went with the flow and I just played and I played. Um, and in travel ball, my coaches always told me, okay, Erica, it's time to, you know, start sending emails, um, start getting looked at by coaches, but I never really knew how to do that or what I was supposed to expect. Um, and then we went to a tournament with uh, the San Diego rebels in not Palm Springs. We went to Colorado at the sparkler tournament and that's what McNeese saw me. Okay. And, um, that's kind of when that whole journey started and going to McNeese and having that, um, experience and being able to have the four years that I did is kind of when my mentality on the game changed. And I'm definitely very grateful it did because my mentality in high school, like I said, it was just play just because it was fun. It was a sport. Um, I never thought it would take me to where I am today. And I definitely never thought it would teach me the things that it's taught me today. Um, but you know, things happen at your own pace and I'm just very grateful that McNeese saw that in me and, um, was able to start my journey with that. Right on. I was actually, I was going to say what led to your, your decision to attend McNeese. So w- what was it like, uh, just the fact that they, they saw you in that tournament or, or did, what was there other schools on the radar? The main selling point for me with McNeese, um, was that they also had, gotten three other girls from my travel ball team. So we were kind of going in a group of four. Oh, wow. Um, one was my age and then the other two, they were going a year before us. So I think it was that comfort of knowing that, um, I was going with people that I knew. Um, and I was, well, I went on my official visit and when I went on my, uh, unofficial and official visit, I fell in love with the, the city, the support system, the team and the coaches, but being able to go that far away from home and knowing that I was going with three other girls, I think is really what sold me on it. Mm. Um, and surprisingly, I didn't have anyone on my radar. I didn't have a lot of schools looking at me. If you ask me my honest opinion, I never thought I was that good in high school. <laughs> um, that's the crazy thing is I, I really, it all didn't click until I went to McNeese. And so whenever someone asked me, 
um, have I always had a leg kick or have I always viewed the game this way? And it's like, no, I, I didn't start becoming the player that I am today until I went to McNeese. Um, and I was just average in high school. I was just a big girl that had some power, but I, if, if you want to talk mechanically and you want to talk talent, I don't think I was the the best one out there. Um, but, you know, uh, just very grateful that McNeese was able to teach me what it did. And, and I was able to reach the levels that I'd gotten to. Right on. So when you did your tours there, what, what, what were your impressions there? Like how, what was your impression of the ball field, the, you know, locker room, everything there? Um, so McNeese is a very small school and they're not, um, their sell, my selling point wasn't the field. It wasn't the locker room for me. It was the coaching staff that they had, um, in particular, uh, the hitting coach, coach James Landrieu, which is the one who I would have to thank everything for, mm-hmm. um, him and just the team and the culture behind the team and, and what they stood for. I also really liked that it was a small school. I don't think I was ready for a big school. I wasn't ready for, um, that big jump. Cause you know, college is still college. There's still that, um, going into the unknown and being away from your parents. So I think it was really good for me to go to a small school and be able to slowly transition. Um, and then the whole city of Lake Charles, they're very close and it's, you know, we're in the South. So the culture is a lot different and it was just really amazing to be able to experience a whole different side of, of culture and a whole different side of the way they viewed the sport and how, um, much their fans truly enjoyed, um, watching the players grow and and they followed us every single step. They followed me every single year. Um, and still to this day, even though I've been out of college almost three years now, they still are watching me and they're still supporting me. And so it's an amazing, um, community to be a part of. And I think that's, that was my biggest selling point was it felt like my second home. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't, don't really know like the, a lot of people look at the big schools you know like you know Oklahoma UCLA and stuff and think that's you know that's where they need to be but I mean those those small small town colleges just have as much appeal as as the others right yeah and I mean obviously everyone shoots for the big name schools you want to go to the best school you want to be able to play at the highest level um, but you also need to find a place that makes you feel welcomed and you need to find a place that allows you to fully be yourself and to be able to become the player that you've always wanted to become. Um, and McNeese did that. McNeese had everything I needed. It, um, it was the right transition at the right time. And the coaches saw what I could become and they saw more in me and they always pushed me every single day, um, to give my best. And I think that's really just what I needed at that time. And, um, obviously, I mean, it worked, <laughs> it definitely brought me to where I am today. And so, um, I definitely would never change my mind on McNeese. It was probably the best four years of my life. Right on. Was Jenny Finch on the coaching staff the first couple of years there I saw? Yes. The first year she was actually a volunteer coach. She would stop by a couple of times and throw BP. Um, she loved watching our games. She lived about 15 minutes away from campus. So she was always really close to okay. us. Okay. That makes um, sense. And in the last couple of years, even though she wasn't there all the time and she wasn't able to be as involved as she was maybe the first year, she always, always followed McNeese and she was always supporting us. So it was really nice to be able to have her um, keep motivating us every single day. I mean, she's in, she's a legend. She's the yeah. one everyone idolizes. And 
So being able to just have her support and be able to have her as someone we can go to to ask questions was amazing. That must have been pretty cool having her throw bat in practice to you guys. Oh, absolutely. I remember I hit a home run foul ball, oh. a foul ball home run. Um, but it was, I was the happiest person in the whole world. I was like, I did not just hit a foul ball home run off Jenny Finch. And then she <laughs> struck me out with a changeup. Um, <laughs> but I will never forget that because I actually made contact with Jenny Finch and she was, she's just so humble and she always wants to see you win. So it was awesome. Right on. That's awesome. Uh, so what were your expect- expectations going into your freshman season? Cause I mean, you didn't seem to have the typical first season. <laughs> You'd set the school record for um, home runs <laughs> in the season, led in nine offensive categories. So, I mean, it's not your typical freshman season. No. So going back to my mindset on how it was in high school. Um, so freshman year, like I said, I, I hadn't really, um, gotten to that mentality that I have now. So I was still kind of that young freshman. Um, I knew that there was older girls on the team. So I was just like, okay, um, I'm going as a freshman. I'm just going to learn what I need to learn. Um, do what the coaches tell me to do. And and that's it. Um, I wasn't, um, I was someone kind of starstruck really, because it was my freshman year. I was away from home and, and everyone knows freshman year is the hardest year because you're getting used to the routine. You're getting used to school and you're getting used to practice and traveling and all of that. And I actually had no, um, I wasn't supposed to start my freshman year. That's the crazy thing. We had a senior catcher, um, going into the end of the winter break before my first season, um, our senior catcher ended up not being able to play that year. And I was the second catcher. And so I, I, specifically remember this meeting that we had in December before, before coming back in January. And my coach was like, okay, Erica, you're going to have to be the starting catcher. And my, you should have seen my face. My <laughs> eyes were wide. I was like, no way. And so, um, that's kind of where it all started. I, I, um, got put as a starting catcher. I had to, I played every single game. Um, and I think that's when my mentality changed. That's when it clicked. I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be playing right now. Um, I need to do everything that I can to help my team out. And then from then on, I just fell in love with the whole process. I fell in love with lifting. I fell in love with the practices, the bus rides, everything about college softball. I fell in love with, um, and I just strive to keep getting better every single day. That's crazy. um, That's crazy how things happen. I mean, like the, the, starting catcher <laughs> gets hurt and it's crazy because everyone's always like eric because you know obviously if you look at my my accolades and, and my success you would think i was someone that maybe started at, at a young age right. always you know um wanting to do that and um kind of being like that girl that practices and practices and practice but like looking back i and I hate saying this, but I was never someone that wanted to put in the extra work in high school. I just did what I had to do just because it was a sport to me. I was playing because I loved it. I wasn't playing to get better. Yeah. Um, I wasn't playing to become um, an All-American. I didn't even have that in my mind. And then I got put into this situation that I got put in. And and it was a blessing because that's that's exactly what I needed. And, and that's what changed my mindset. And ever since then, I... I was just on, I just kept going and I kept going and I kept really taking in all the information. I kept, um, I kept learning from everything that I was doing. And after my freshman year, once I did what I was able to do, 
I think that's when it really clicked. And I was like, okay, what else do I have in the tank? Like, what else can I do for my team? Where, what level can I reach as a, as an athlete? And that's when I just kept going and kept going. Right on. Now, do you remember your first game against Florida Gulf Coast? Um, I don't, I don't yeah. actually remember my first game. You guys, you guys came um, back from, from behind and beat them in extra innings. I think what I read, the Dakota Matico hit a three run shot in the bottom of the eighth. Oh, see, yeah. See, I get all my years mixed up, but <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I just, I, honestly, I just remember, um, I don't remember. I remember the struggle I had my first season um, in the first month because I was still learning the leg kick. And I remember um, preseason, I think everything just happened so fast that I was kind of just like game after game after game after game. Um, And it wasn't until our season started, our Southland um, season started. And that's when I just remember um, everything about the game had clicked. All our plays had clicked. My leg kick felt good. Um, the confidence was coming in and the team was really gelling. And I think that's from then on, that's when I remember everything kind of just working together and I was having so much fun with it. Right. I was going to ask you what, what your mindset was going into that, to that second season. My, my sophomore year. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially after having that such a great freshman season. I mean, like you said, you started appreciating everything else, like, you know, working off the field and whatnot. But I I, I just wondered what, if you can remember what your mindset was going into the second season. I think the second season, um, because I had so much success my first season, I just, that's when I wanted to see like, what else can I do? Where, Where else can I can I take this game to, and, and my athleticism, like how can I change physically? And so going into my second season, I remember I really focused in the off season in the weight room. And even my coach would tell me like, you have such a different mindset because freshman year, I hated, I hated lifting at five 30 in the morning. <laughs> like we all do, yeah, but who, who likes my mindset. <laughs> yeah. My mindset just changed. Like I didn't want to wake up at five 30 in the morning, but every time we were in the weight room, I was like, okay, I'm seeing, I'm seeing my body change. I'm feeling stronger. And I just fell in love with that. And, um, I honestly never really, I was never someone that wanted to keep, if you ask me, I I don't even remember the records I break because it was, it wasn't something that I was striving for. Like I just wanted to be able to reach my top performance physically, mentally, all of that. And, um, and so I never really felt this pressure because it wasn't something I was striving for. Right. So I never, I never put this extra pressure of like, Oh, Erica, you have to do better than you did your freshman year. You have to hit more home runs. Um, to me, it was more of like, okay, my leg kick did this my freshman year. What can I improve for my sophomore year? Or I did this as a catcher. What can I improve? Um, and so I just took it step by step and I, and I kept just trying to improve the little things. And then obviously once season starts, I was just having fun. Um, and I loved playing. I loved season. I love everything that season brought. And so it was just really easy for me to, to do everything that was asked because it was so much fun for me. Right on. Now you'd have an amazing four-year career there, uh, setting, um, unreal school and conference records. What, uh, what's some of your favorite memories from your time there? My favorite memories are the behind the scenes. Really. I, I don't 
remember games that well. I'm not really someone that um, remembers points and, and runs and um, what we did this game or this game and how we beat this team. But I do remember just the behind the scenes, the bus rides, the long practices with my teammates. Um, everything that happened, our team was so close. Every single year we, we got closer and closer. And my senior class, um, we were the closest group I've ever been a part of. And so it was so much fun to be able to experience those four years with the same group of girls. Um, and that's what I'll always remember is just the bond that we had being able as a, as a college athlete, as a student athlete, going to school every single day and then having multiple practices throughout the day, it gets hard mentally, it gets hard physically, it gets hard. And so being able to do all that and experience all that with a group of girls that you feel comfortable with and that um, you've been growing with makes it so much easier. And um, I think the best part about McNeese was the bonds that we've created and the friendships that I've created. Um, still to this day, we have a senior group chat and we still talk to each other. We go to alumni weekends and it's just a family. And, and that's exactly what I felt going into my official visit was the feeling of being a part of another family. And that's exactly what I got in those four years. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you know, how you're still close and everything. I, we like here in Canada, hockey, I played hockey growing up at, at a relatively high level. And, and like you said, the, the team chemistry between a team and like one team in particular that, that I had that, I mean, to this day we we still, we had an, like a 20 year reunion and, and everything. And we still all talk to this day. So, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's so important. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. It's like just the bonds you make over the, over, over that, the time is, is invaluable. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you give so much time to this sport, you give, um, so much effort, so much time, so much, so many years to this sport. And if you're doing it with a team that you can't fully be yourself and you can't fully be comfortable and be able to grow and become the player that you want to become, it makes the journey so much harder. And I feel like, um, a lot of athletes, young athletes end up not giving up on their dreams, but they end up maybe holding back a little bit just because they weren't surrounded by the right type of people. And so every time um, young players ask me about college and ask me about recruiting, that's my number one point is find a school that makes you feel comfortable, find a school that makes you feel like you're able to grow as an individual and as a player. And even outside of the sport that you're able to get a great education from um, because at the end of the day, softball isn't going to last forever. Yep. You're not always going to be playing. You're not always going to be an athlete, but you are always going to have those bonds with those teammates and you are always going to have that education. Um, and so I always tell them to keep that in mind because that's the most important part of the whole experience. 100% couldn't agree more. Um, now I, I know you said you don't focus on numbers or anything or, or, or the <laughs> records, but do you have a favorite record that you were like, Oh, that's pretty cool from your time at McNeese? Yeah, if you, I mean, knowing me, I'm just such an offensive player. I love everything that has to do with hitting um, and the offense side. And um, I can talk about hitting for hours with my coach. And so I think for me, the my, my best record, probably the one that really got me excited and, and really got me emotional was uh, the home run record because um, it was definitely something I never expected. I... Um, never even really thought I could have the power that I had. 
Um, and so being able to discover the power that I have in my swing with my leg kick and being able to kind of go through all those steps in college as a freshman and, and as a sophomore, um, and obviously every single year, because I keep adjusting my swing. Mm. Um, it's beautiful to be able to know that, um, the, what I'm doing with my body during my swing, what I'm doing, um, is generating the power to give me those numbers. And, um, so if there's one record, I think it's the home run record. That one will always be the only, the only one I really think about. Right on. Actually, I was go- I was going through all all the records. The one that impressed me the most was the NCAA record that you tied for ten consecutive walks. Like, <laughs> oh yes, I I remember that game specifically. <laughs> like, were you not getting pit- getting the pitches, or just in a good great zone and laying off the marginal stuff? No, they were. Um, I remember this was the three game series against Central Arkansas and, um, or not Central Arkansas SFA. They were intentionally walking me the whole weekend. Oh, <laughs> um, they were just not pitching to me the whole weekend. So I would just get four straight balls and I'd run to first four straight balls and I'd run to first. Um, and I remember, uh, they did that every single at bat until my, um, the last game, they decided to finally pitch. And I was shocked because I wasn't expecting it. So I, I remember I took the first strike and I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like I should probably be ready. And then, um, I ended up hitting a home run that at bat and then they just kept walking. me. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, that was, I, I was honestly sh- like, I was just kind of going up to bat and I was like, all right, they're going to walk me again. And so it's kind of just became a cycle, um, and kind of took my focus out of the game, which isn't good, but, yeah. um, it definitely, I definitely remember that game. Uh, whoever was hitting behind you must have been like, oh, runners on scoring on bases. <laughs> My chance for RBIs here. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, b- talking about your swing, I want to go back to your swing, which I, I've talked about it a few times on here on the podcast because it's just, it's so fluent. It reminds me of uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s. Um, oh, where did the swing come from? Was it just working over it over the years or did somebody uh, help you help you out with it? Um, so my, I started with my leg kick my freshman year of college. Um, our coach, Coach James Langerneau, he, I remember he had started learning about this leg kick and he was watching a lot of baseball swings and um, he really wanted to just try it out with the power hitters. Um, and I remember we started with a group of six power hitters. Um, I It was some freshmen and some from every single year. And we, that's what we did my freshman fall. So the whole fall, all we worked on was that leg kick and trying to figure it out, figure it out. But it was so hard um, as a timing mechanism. It was very complicated. Mm. And I remember that a lot of the other girls at that point, probably because they were also older and they didn't really have that many years left, they decided to go back to their normal swing. And so I was kind of the only one that started to click and it started to really work and, and I started to understand the whole movement. And so I just, I was like, okay, well, I'm a freshman. So I'm just going to keep going and see like if I can make this work in a game. Um, and so it was my freshman year. That's kind of when it started and it didn't really click until season started. That's when I started um, to really feel comfortable in it. Um, because I remember my freshman fall, if you ask my coach, I was hitting a buck 50. I was <laughs> not doing well my freshman fall. That's why I was so shocked when I had to play. Um, because I was still, you know, trying to learn this leg kick. I was still trying to get the timing. I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to do with all my, all, like all my legs and my arms and all this stuff. And, um, once I got it though, it just clicked and 
it, I just kept going with it and I kept making adjustments and I kept trying to figure it out. Um, hitting to me is such an art form. It's some, it's something that, um, is so beautiful and you can always make adjustments to it and always change little things to improve it. Um, but definitely started with coach James and he's probably the one that started my whole <laughs> offensive career. Oh, well, props to coach James. <laughs> oh yeah. He knows it. I tell him all the time. Um, actually before we move on from, from McNeese, I had to ask you about, uh, your walk-up song swag surfing. Is that where you, ha- is that where you had it? Was that McNeese? Yes. Man. At McNeese, I had it every single year. We were, we were allowed two walk-up songs and swag surfing was the only one I never changed. I would always change the second one, but I always had to keep swag surfing. Um, it just made me so relaxed and it pumped me up so much at the plate. I loved it. Oh, you, you posted on Instagram that day. I think it was a few months ago now that that, that was your, you did a Q and a, I think. And so, and you posted that and I was like, man, that, that's a jam. So it's now, yeah, on, it's now it's, on my Spotify playlist. So t- thanks for that. It's crazy <laughs> what it does when I hear it now. Cause it all randomly, it'll randomly show up in my music. And as soon as it comes on, I get all these emotions and all these memories and oh, no doubt. it's, it's amazing. It's, I love that song so much. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty good. I will admit, <laughs> uh, I want to swing back to the Italian national team. Um, what does it mean to you to be able to represent the country in the game that you love? It means everything to me. It's such an honor to be able to wear Italy across my chest every single game. And it's like, I, I bring it back to college in college. They, they taught us a lot that you're not just representing yourself anymore. You're representing a whole university. Um, and so I always kind of had that thought about the Jersey that I would wear and being able to wear Italy and knowing that I'm representing not just myself, not just my team, but I'm, I'm representing a whole country. Um, I'm representing my country and, um, it's just a beautiful thing and it really motivates you every single day. And, um, also obviously being able to also have my mom's side of the story and, and her experiences with it, it just feels like I'm, I'm keeping the dream going and I'm keeping um, her legacy going and I'm filling in those footsteps and, and really just, kind of having the same experience my mom did, but making it my own version, which is everything I've always wanted. Yeah. Let's talk about the Olympic qualifiers back in uh, 2019. Doesn't that feel like it's forever ago now? <laughs> oh yeah. I keep, I keep saying, I'm like, yeah, when well, we qualified last year, but it was actually two years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it definitely feels like time is just flying by. How amazing was it to win, win it and know that you guys were one of six teams to compete in Tokyo? amazing that was the best experience um so many emotions i remember i i remember on the bus ride every single day during qualifiers going to our games i always envisioned our last game and i and i always envisioned us winning and us qualifying in the dog pile and i envisioned myself bawling my eyes out <laughs> um just kind of i envisioned all the emotions and it, it hyped me up for every single game and then i remember it actually happening and I was just so kind of not shook because I knew we could do it, but I was just so taken by the whole experience that I didn't even cry. I was just smiling. Like I had the biggest smile on my face and I was running around and hugging everybody. Um, but it was just crazy how it was exactly what I was kept envisioning every single day. It was that same emotion, that same feeling. 
Um, and knowing that we did that, us players did that on our own, That because softball isn't big in Italy. It's not a, a big sport, so we don't have the support from a lot of people. So a lot of people don't even know what our sport is. Right. Yeah. Um, and so being able to prove everybody wrong and being able to be like, okay, Italy is good at softball. We are good. We're meant to be here. We're supposed to be playing at the highest level. Um, and then doing it, I think the best part was being able to do that in Holland, in front of the Holland crowd, just because we're big rivals. Holland and Italy, it's always between us two and the Europeans. And it's always, um, if you were to ask us before the qualifiers, what are the two teams that are that are going to be fighting to go to the Olympics? It was definitely Holland, um, us, and Great Britain. Right. Um, and so being able to do it, um, not on our home turf, being able to do it on their home turf with our Italy section cheering for us every single game. It was just a, a, a beautiful experience. And my mom and dad were there, so that made it even better. Yeah, you guys went down four nothing in the semis to the Netherlands, did you not? <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. But then you, uh, you, you and Emily hit back-to-back home runs in the second to to take the lead. Or, yeah. yeah. That game, I think that game for me was the finals. That game was, that game is, I treated that game like that was the championship game. Um, we were down for nothing. And the crazy thing is because I was playing right field at the time. The crazy thing is with Holland, the games never go above two or three runs. They're always very close games and <laughs> um, it's always so much fun. So being able to, to be an outfit and I remember we're down for nothing you would think that we'd start getting like um, a lot of pressure on us. But mm-hmm. I remember for nothing. And I remember looking at my team, I'm like, Oh, it's fine. Like, it's just the first inning. Like I was, we were all so calm. And I think that was the crazy part. Um, That's a good is thing, we were though. so calm. Yeah. We were calm and we had so much confidence. Um, and, and I think it was also, it, it helped that it was just the first inning. So we also knew we had so much game left. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from that moment, I remember we came back in the dugout and we said, okay, we got this, we got this, um, go in the second inning, Emily hits the three run Homer to tie the game. And from then on, I think we just saw, um, we just saw black. We were just like, all right, it's zero, zero at this point We're we're going to go off. And, um, and we did just that. And it was such an amazing game. Oh, you guys were, when Emily hit the the tying shot and then you went, right after your guys's emotion was just crazy and and then having your your fans there is like whoa this is this is great <laughs> yeah and it was just crazy because like i said we were so calm and it's not something that we've we're used to because um like i said going against netherlands it's already always a very pressure game it's a, there's a lot of pressure during those games it's always a championship game between them and we're always um playing our best game or we, we have to play our best game against Holland because they're so good. Um, and I just remember looking at my whole team when we're down for nothing thinking, okay, Erica, you need to come up with, you need to say something to the team to keep them focused. Like you need to have this big speech because some, some players might be down at this point, but then I get in the dugout and the energy I think got even higher. I think we got, we got even um, more energy. We were more into the game and, um, it was very beautiful to be able to see that from my teammates. Right on. So, what's the team's mindset going into the, into the games? Uh, you know, in in the proverbial underdog role. Um, we love it. We love the underdog role because um, no one is gonna see anything coming because everyone you know takes you as the underdog team and the, um, and we we've always been the underdog team and I think for us it's it's nothing new. 
um, we know what we have to bring to the table. We know that we're going to be facing a lot of great teams. And so um, right now we're just focusing on becoming the best athletes that we can become and, and really trying to study the game and study the teams and, um, and just play the game that we know how to play. We don't want to get our heads too big. We don't want to um, view the game bigger than what it is. We're just there every single day and we're going to have a dog fight every single game. Yeah, it's, I actually can't wait to watch because, I mean, every game is going to be really good. Like every team, yes. all, all six teams are, are good and, and every game will, will be a battle. So, yeah, I really can't wait to watch that. Um, well, what's exciting about our sport, sorry. No, that's off, okay. What's, ex- what's exciting about our sport is that you, at this level, you never know who, who's going to win. That's right. It's a dogfight every single game. And it's, it's, it all comes down to what team is going to bring their best game in that very moment. Yeah. And so um, that's what I just love about it is because it could be uh, one through six and you, you never know who's going to be able to um, win that game and you never know who's going to bring their a game. And all it takes is, is one error or all it takes is that one base hit. And it's just such an exciting feeling knowing that and, and knowing that it can go either way. Um, I'm just super excited. I'm really excited to see these games. Now, do you guys, do you think that just by you guys going now, it's going to help the exposure for the game over in Italy? Absolutely. Um, I've already seen such a drastic change in our sport from the moment we qualified. Um, we've, we've gotten so much more attention, um, not only from the young generation, a lot of more, a lot more, uh, players want to start playing the game and, and young girls want to start playing the game. And, um, we're getting a lot more attention on, on social media and on the newspaper and, and kind of all around Italy, just because we're finally a team that's going to the Olympics and that's already a big deal for your country. So being able to have the spotlight is really allowing us to, to show what our game is made of and to show that, um, soccer isn't the only sport that, <laughs> that, uh, that works in Italy. And so it's, it's been really cool to see the transition and to see our game grow um, I'm excited to see what happens after the Olympics, because I know for a fact that after the Olympics, um, it's, it's going to have a lot more spotlight and it's going to, mm-hmm. we're going to have a lot more opportunities to keep, uh, to keep the game going right on anything to grow the game. Um, anything. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump into this past summer with athletes unlimited. Uh, I've talked to Vic and Kat on here about how awesome it was. I totally enjoyed watching it. Uh, what was your initial reaction when, when you got the invite? I was so excited, but I, I didn't know what I was excited about because I still didn't really understand how the league was working. I was just so excited to be able to play because when I got the invite was during our, our strict lockdown in Italy and our season had just been canceled. The Olympics had been canceled. Um, our club team in Italy kept getting pushed back. So we didn't know if we were playing or not. And so that whole year, I just felt like, I wasn't going to be able to play at all. And I, and I was going to be stuck at home the whole time. Um, and so being able to get that invite from AU was a breath, a breath of fresh air for me. It was a, it was a new beginning. And, um, like Vic and Kat have probably said, AU was an experience that I never imagined I would have. It was an experience that, um, not only taught me about myself in a game, but it taught me so much outside of the game and so much about the other players. And, um, 
it definitely was something that I needed and it was a blessing that I needed at that very moment because like I said, Olympics being canceled, um, motivation was really hard. You know, it was hard to keep training. It was hard to, to see the bigger picture. And AU did that for me. AU brought that love for the game back. It, it brought back why I was doing what I was doing. Um, it made training that the training that I'm doing now, it made it even more possible because I, I had that experience and I had, um, that experience from the girls that were going through the exact same thing I was going through. So it was just a beautiful experience um, overall. And I learned so much about myself and so much about the game. Yeah. I mean, you, you ended up having a pretty great season tied for home run lead with the uh, Savannah Jayquish and ended up finishing fourth on the points total standings. Um, I guess the question is, were you like, were you learning like a lot every single week being around all these players? Every single day, I felt like I was learning something new. Um, I, I was just talking to one of my um, teammates from AU the other day, and we were talking about the whole experience. And I was telling her, the crazy thing is all the girls that were at AU were women that I've watched play on TV. And it was women that I've always looked up to. Um, Kat Osterman, Victoria Hayward, Alicia Ocasio, all these Jessica Warren, all these names that I've always loved watching play, but I've never gotten the opportunity to play with them or alongside them. Mm. And AU did that. AU was able to put us all in one field and be able to play together. Um, and I learned something every single day from every single player that was on my team. Um, and the beautiful thing about AU was the fact that you change teams every single week. So you were able to make those connections every week and you were able to learn about someone new um, we also had a lot of events outside of our games. We had Friday night lights that um, the racial equity group put together and it was Jasmine Jackson, Alicia Ocasio and me were a part of the racial equity group. And we were able to put up these events every Friday night called Friday night lights. And these are the events that I think really um, made a difference in the league and, and really brought out our emotions as a team mm -hmm. and, and, and got us a lot closer because we talked about topics that um, you never really get to talk about. We talked about um, mental health. We talked about the LGBTQ plus community. We talked about race. We talked about voting and we talked about all these very important topics and it was an open space and it was a space for the players to feel comfortable, to be able to ask questions, to be able to talk about what they want to talk about and to be able to learn from everyone else. And um, it was just something that I've never had from a league. It was an experience I've never really had from a, from a team before and being able to do that with all those players for six weeks, it was just so beautiful. I can't even put it into words all the emotions that I felt throughout every single game, yeah. every single day. It, it genuinely looked like everybody was having so much fun. Like it really did. Yeah. And you would think, so when you first see how athletes unlimited, how athlete unlimited was set up, you would think it would get, um, that it would get confusing and that there would be a lot of pressure and that everyone would kind of be playing individually, but it was the complete opposite because, um, the way the points were set up, you have to play as a team. You right. have to be able to play together and win together. Um, and the way, um, the switching teams, you have to be able to get comfortable with different players. You have to be able to learn them at a different level, at a different speed. Um, and maybe it's something that you're not used to. You're not used to getting to know someone in a week. You're, you know, you're, you have a whole season usually with them and you have a couple of months um, and pitchers and catchers have to get to know each other 
in three days because they had three practices to be able to get that connection down before the games. And so it was just such a different um, way to, to learn about each other and to learn about the way we played. And it was just so much fun. And um, I actually playing at AU is when I felt the least amount of pressure, (laughs) which is crazy. Um, It's where I felt the most comfortable in the box. And I think it was just because we were all there playing for the same thing and playing against players that we were all at the same level. And Mm. I think that was what was so cool is like, I didn't feel like I had to, prove myself to anybody I was just there to play and and everyone was just there to play and it was just such a beautiful experience and um, I think it definitely helped me with my approach um, in the box now is is how to really calm down and how to um, slow the game down and and know that I don't have to prove anything to anybody I'm where I'm supposed to be because I'm I made it this far. Yeah, for sure. How fun was the draft or, or was it nerve wracking for you? <laughs> it was so much fun. I think I, I think I had too much fun with it. Um, <laughs> I was laughing the whole time because it was just so much fun and you never know who everyone's going to pick. And, um, and it was the last week. So everyone knew every, everybody at, at a very, um, different level now right. we, we got really close so it was, it was like we had inside jokes and I remember I was sitting next to Alicia Ocasio and me and her were me and her were a duo in on the mound like me and her pitching catching I loved catching Alicia Ocasio and so having her as a captain next to me I kept looking at her I was like I'm so pissed that I can't pick you <laughs> and so it was it was just a lot of fun a lot of fun and it was cool to be able to to make those decisions and work with the players that I picked and be able to create a team. Now it was done by zoom. Was it you got like, you guys were on zoom and whenever you drafted somebody, they'd pop up on it. I think, I think it was zoom for the players. And then the whole, we had different windows open. So different apps were working at the same time. Oh, okay. But the players, the players were on, uh, I want to say zoom and they got put into um different rooms when they got drafted so they would get uh, um invited to a different zoom link and then um they would connect with the captain and then so while i was drafting the as i picked the players those players would be popping up onto my ipad and they would be helping me make decisions as well so it was was a lot going on but it was so much fun that is such an inventive idea like i love it so much it's so wicked it was (laughs) It's honestly hard to explain like how they even were able to put all this together, but it worked so well. Yeah, for sure. Now, I talked to Kat and Vic about the uh, the Sports Illustrated article, the unrelenting that came out after it was all over with uh, you know you, Kat, Vic, and Jess. Um, that must have been a pretty proud moment for yourself to be listed along with them. It was. I was shocked for I think two weeks when that article came out because I never expected anything like that. Um, uh, like I said, the whole AU experience was just so jaw dropping for me, just being able to be on the field with those girls and being able to learn from them every single day. Um, and then an article comes out and I'm being recognized next to those women and next to even, um, uh, next to other women as well that I looked up to like Serena Williams Mm -hmm. and Megan Rapinoe and all these players that I've looked up to. And so seeing my face next to them, it was just kind of, undescribable I had no words to explain I remember um all I remember my phone going off like crazy when the article (laughs) came out um and I was in Louisiana helping out um my 
teammates and, and my friends with the hurricane that just had happened over there. And so I remember I was, I was, I didn't really have my phone with me a lot, but I do remember just, it kept going off and I'm like, who keeps talking? Like who keeps texting me? Who's, who's like blowing up my phone. And then I go look at my phone and everyone's saying, congratulations. Everyone's sending me the article. And I didn't even know how to react. So I was like, what is this? And then I start. I remember that night when I had time, I started reading mm-hmm. it and I was like, there's, I was like, there's no way my name is in this list with all these players because they're, it's something you just don't imagine. You know, it's, it's players that you always look up to and they're your, they are idols. You always strive to get to them, but you never, um, I, 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 at least me, I never envisioned myself being able to actually reach that, especially at 24 years old. And so, um, seeing that I was so honored and it really just, um, put the whole AU experience, it made it even better just being able to know that that I'm recognized next to those girls. And um, I got to really know Kat Osterman, really know Vic and Jesse, and, and they're just such beautiful people and beautiful souls that um, it's just amazing to be able to, to be standing next to them and, and be able to be in the article with them. That's awesome. That's it. It was amazing. I, I, re- I read the whole article and it was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, so are you in for season two? Yes, awesome. I am. I signed already. I'm um, in for season two. We're currently uh, draft, not drafting, but we're currently making decisions on the next 15 to be coming in. And um, we're just super excited for season two. I think hopefully fingers crossed um, there's no COVID at that time mm. and we'll be able to actually experience the, the league the way we're supposed to experience the first time. Even though I will say I will miss the bubble a lot because the bubble was an amazing experience <laughs> um, in itself. But yeah, I'm super excited for season two and super excited to be able to be back with those girls. Oh, I'm if, if- if you guys are able to have fans and if everything's like, you know, somewhat back to normal, Rosemount will just be, be well, hopping. That's, that's what I'm saying is like, I had such an amazing experience and we didn't even have fans. Yeah. <laughs> like Im- imagine um, what our league will be when everything is able to work the way it's supposed to. Yeah. I'm really excited. No, I'm, the the fun you guys had the first season with fans there is just going to, it's going to escalate it like yeah, tenfold, I think. For sure. <laughs> so, so we have this little thing on here that we end the podcast with. It's called uh, player association. I'm going to, I'll list out a player and you can say as much or as little about them as you want. You all ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. First one is Emily Vincent. Oh, I wasn't expecting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Emily Vincent. I love her. Um, Me and her, we go, we had the bond. We had probably one of the best bonds, I think, um, as a pitcher and catcher at McNeese is me and her really... Um, we took it further than the game and even outside of softball, she was always there for me and she was kind of like my bigger sister. She really taught me, um, the ropes to McNeese. She taught me how everything worked. She was always there for me, um, through the, through my highs and through my lows. She was always the number one person cheering me on and, um, being able to have the experiences that I had with Emily at McNeese and then being able to play with her in Italy because she came to play with my club team, um, being able to watch her coach um, and, and play against her outside of McNeese was just so amazing. And even to this day, she's still my number one fan. She's still following me and she still hypes me up every single time. And um, I only have good things to say about Emily and I miss her so much. So if she listens to this, I, I, I miss her so much. <laughs> awesome. Well, so the next one is Alexandra Flores. 
Flores, she's my baby. Um, my little pitcher, she, me and her also had a really good bond in the circle at McNeese. And, um, I kind of took her under my wing because, um, I just had this connection with her and, and we really were able to, um, be open with each other. And I was able to tell her everything that she wanted to hear and maybe things that she didn't want to hear, but mm -hmm. I knew exactly the potential that she had. And I was her number one fan. She was my number one fan. And we really just kept pushing each other and, and we worked really well together, um, in, on the field. So that was a very good connection. Excellent. Uh, Morgan, Howe. Morgan, Howe. uh, the crazy thing about me and her is we started playing together at, at, um, my first child ball team at ozone in 12 and under that's when we met. No way. And yeah, we met in 12 and under and we played together, I think up until the age of 14. Um, and then we went our separate ways with travel ball, but then our high school teams would play each other. So we still, um, were in contact and we played each other in high school and then we still followed each other in college. So I still would see her, her name popping up and we'd still be, um, talking just a little bit. And then, but we never thought we'd, we'd be playing together again. Mm. And then we, um, go to athletes unlimited together. And I remember that's when we, um, we were both in California at the same time. So I think the week before leaving for Chicago, we ended up meeting up and hitting and I think we hit for an hour and then spent the next three hours just talking about all the memories that we had together and, and all the fun times that we had together. Um, and so being able to experience Athletes Unlimited with Morgan was so beautiful. And um, I've always looked up to her and she's such an amazing athlete, such an amazing person. Um, and we grew a lot at AU together, um, being rookies and being able to go through the same experiences that we did. And so, um, she also signed for year two. So now we get to go back and play together. So I'm really excited for that. That's awesome. I'm so, I'm so glad I put her name on the list. <laughs> I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, next is Jasmine Jackson. Jasmine Jackson. So we met we actually met on social media. That's we just randomly started following each other on social media. Um, and we were, it was weird. Like we started following each other and automatically we just started hyping each other up just like <laughs> with, with playing, like, you know how we, uh, we, us women do on social media yeah. and, um, her, one of her teammates from Cal, Annie Aldretti came to play at Furli. And so I met Annie and then she was close with jazz. So we kind of, um, I started talking more to jazz as well. And then jazz was able to, uh, we met for the first time at scrapyard after college, after in 2018, when we both went to go play for scrapyard. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the first time we actually met, but we've been following each other for like two years before that, that the connection was already there. Um, and so it was, it was just amazing to finally be able to meet her and, and we're so close. She's my roommate at AU, um, she came to play at Furli, so she spent a couple months in Italy with me and we just have so much history and, and, um, we're on the racial equity group. So I talk to her every single week. Um, and I just, she's an amazing person. She's really helped me a lot outside of softball, especially. And, um, she's always just wants to see me doing um, my best every, every time I do something. And she's always my number one fan. So I love her. Excellent. Uh, next one you mentioned a little bit earlier is Alicia Cassio. Lily. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I've always seen her on TV, never, ever saw her, um, outside of, um, the big screen for me. And, 
Um, the first time I think I actually saw her was when she played with Puerto Rico and we were at Worlds. Um, but I never talked to her at that time. I think it was just someone um, I saw because we didn't play Puerto Rico. Um, and then, so the first time I met her was at, uh, I want to say at, at AU was the first time. And me and her, ever since our first bullpen, I think we just had the same mentality with pitching and catching. And and we didn't even have to talk in between innings. We just knew exactly, I knew exactly what Lily wanted to pitch and she knew exactly what I was going to call. Um, and so we just worked so well together and she's so easy to talk to and, and also being a part of the racial equity group with her as well, me, mm-hmm. her and jazz. Um, I've also gotten to know her outside of softball and kind of gotten to know her background and gotten to know what she stands for. Um, and she's such an amazing human. All she wants to do is just help, um, the younger generation and help this game grow and, and really use her platform. And I think she's doing an amazing job. That's fantastic. The last one on the list is Emily Carazzoni. Um, Emily Carazzoni, I met her the first time when she, uh, came to play on the Italian team. Um, she is something special. She has an amazing personality. She's always cracking jokes. She's always trying to have a good time. Um, and she's definitely someone that you can tell loves the game and, um, she would do anything for her teammates. She came in, she didn't know anybody on the team. Um, she didn't know the language as well. And, and she, didn't it didn't bother her she just wanted to learn um about our team she wanted to learn about our culture she wanted to learn about um how our team worked and and what we were about to go be facing that summer and she definitely helped us a lot um and she's an amazing person and i'm like super excited to be able to see her again this year um whenever her teams finally get to be back together right on that's awesome well erica i need to thank you for coming on the podcast this has been absolutely awesome this has been a thank you been so a, much been for a having fun me. one for sure yeah it was, <laughs> you brought back a lot of memories <laughs> well I, I mean that's the thing here i like to like to go through everybody's career and you know it seemed to seem to spark back some memories and you know that's what that's the fun thing about doing this yeah that's awesome thank you so much and thank you for what you're doing because um there's not a lot of podcasts out there that are able to uh, talk about our sport and talk about what we do so it's it's nice to be able to always um have these conversations and be able to grow our game a little bit more so thank you for that absolutely well best of luck at the olympics you know thank you i'll be watching and best of luck in season two of au thank you so much thanks erica I'm taking time off from the act and I gotta relax. I need a new beat. Yo, for stroll, I got a few treats. You been up in the city nah. long? Only two weeks. Cool. Well, sorry about the weather. It's been raining all week. I hope it gets a little better. Either way, class, listen. I got an ill vision by the song I'm working on. You think you got the right rhythm? Man, come on. You know I got some shit that'll break your neck. I used up what I want, but you can take what's left. Don't give me bullshit, dog. You know I blaze the set. You know you got something safe for us. I got an ill concept. Hip hop. How I pay the real line destinies. What? 1987. I've been rapping in the ciphers in the sessions, and I'll still be getting stressed on the block. You know it's hard to be hip hop. And ain't nobody staying real. But don't pay bills when you showcase skill. Ain't nobody living off of doing windmills or painting train rails. That's real. It's hard to be hip hop. Cause I don't pack
black steel, then my tracks appeal. Into the mass appeal, watch a fast say fail. Yeah, I'm hip hop son, until my casket sealed. It's hard in the culture when the fans are fickle. Understand my issue, your man will diss you. One minute you're whack, and then your jam's yeah. official. And then they switch again. Your bottles of cancer hit you. First they loved LL, and then they hated him, and then they loved him again, and they degraded him. So lately, basically, I don't know if I can play to win survival of the fittest. Let me see what type of shape Yo, I'm in. Yo, when I was younger, like 19, I could spend all day writing rhyme schemes, spitting freestyle and cipher in the streets. But now I got responsibilities. Yo, it's hard to be hip hop.